Taiwan will be opening a new representative office in France in the southern city of Angsad Provence. That will mark Taiwan's second office in the country. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs says the new foreign mission will help bolster tourism and cultural exchanges with France. A former diplomat says the new office is testament to MOFA's new, more proactive approach to establishing foreign missions. Lavender fields stretching as far as the eye can see and picturesque architecture are just two of the things Aix-en-Provence is known for. The city is soon set to host Taiwan's second representative office in France. Taiwan will soon establish a representative office in southern France, in Aix-en-Provence. The city is located in Provence, a popular tourist destination in the south of France. A few years ago, the city merged into a metropolis with several communes, including Marseille, which is France's largest port. Its location in the south allows for fast links with France's second largest city, Lyon, as well as the important tech and aerospace hubs of Grenoble and Toulouse. Establishing a representative office in Provence can help us with tech trade in France as well as cooperation and exchanges in tourism. To some extent, Taiwan has switched to a more proactive approach in foreign relations. I hope that other countries in the EU can see how much Taiwan values diplomacy with Europe. Taiwan has four representative offices in Germany and two each in the UK and Switzerland. Now the EU's largest country by area is set to get its second office. This year, Taiwan has expanded its diplomatic presence overseas. It recently opened a representative office in Somaliland and restarted operations in Guam. The new office in France would mark Taiwan's third this year. The head of the Senate of the Repub Czech Republic, Milos Vistrichil, will arrive in Taiwan on Sunday at the helm of a 90-person delegation. He's expected to visit Taiwan's legislature on Tuesday to give a speech at the Assembly Hall. At the Legislative Yuan, preparations are well underway for his arrival. In a few days, Czech speaker Vistra Chil and his delegation will arrive in Taiwan. Preparations are underway at the Legislative Yuan. Of course, we will ask the Central Epidemic Command Center to have someone review any of our arrangements. We will go forward only with the plans that are approved by the CECC. Our course international etiquette must be taken into account, but the stricter health standards will be used. After entering the Legislative Yuan, Czech Speaker Vistri Chil will enter the Assembly Hall through this door here. Legislative Speaker Yo Shi Kun will enter the Assembly Hall through the door on the other side. The two of them will each have their own lounge area. On September 1st, the Czech Speaker will visit the Legislative Yuan with a 35-person delegation, which includes eight senators, high-ranking civil servants, and the mayor of Prague. A group of Taiwan lawmakers will be awaiting their arrival at the Assembly Hall. The Czech visitors and the Taiwan lawmakers will be assigned restrooms on separate sides of the hall. All participants of the meeting will wear face masks. They will be asked to use hand sanitizer and to go through a fever screening. Czech Speaker Vistra Chil is expected to deliver a 45-minute speech at the Legislative Yuan. His Taiwan counterpart will present him with a souvenir, a copper-plated aluminum mallet. The Czech speaker will also receive a first-class diplomacy medal. It'll be the first time Taiwan confers the medal upon a speaker of a non-allied nation. Taiwan. 
The Senate Speaker, the parliamentary head, will give a speech at the Legislative Yuan. It will be the first time that a speaker of a non-allied country does so. To welcome Speaker Vistri Chill, we have arranged a special exhibition on the Czech Republic and the Lenin Wall. We will take them on a tour of this. Following the legislative visit, Speaker Yeo and a bipartisan group of lawmakers will host a banquet for the Czech visitors at Grand Mayfield Hotel. As was the case during a recent visit by U.S. officials, the banquet guests will be seated at long tables. The Taiwan and Czech sides will be kept apart at a safe distance of 2.5 meters to reduce the risk of viral transmission. Debate is still raging on whether universal COVID testing is necessary for new arrivals. Those against it point to Germany, which is considering ending its mandatory testing for arrivals from high-risk areas. Widespread testing has pushed Germany's health care system to the brink. Germany is looking into adopting a mandatory 14-day quarantine starting mid-September, which would reserve testing capacity for people in care homes and hospitals. Health Minister Chen Shih-chung has repeatedly objected to universal COVID screening, citing the strain it would put on Taiwan's medical system. Last week, Chen said it would have cost more than 800 million NT dollars to test all the people who've entered Taiwan's quarantine system since January. Robotics are a big area of innovation in the tech industry, and the robotic arms are some of the most versatile of tools. But while factories might be their most obvious home, now they have even been brought right here into our new studio. And FTV is the first station in Taiwan to revolutionize the news with a combination of robotics and augmented reality, making current affairs jump from the screen like never before. The presidential office and the legislature appear in 3D in the studio. Concerts are enhanced with moving 3D animations. It's a fresh package for TV news, and it's thanks to this robotic arm and AR technology. FTV is the first station in Taiwan to make use of the innovation. On display at this automatic industry expo, it wowed passers-by. TV is a traditional industry, but we can't stay trapped in our traditions. We have to go in a more high-tech direction. At FTV, for example, this team is actually already working on ways to use it. We're feeling our way forward step by step. Using traditional technologies with human labor only, you might not be able to achieve this, but with the robotic arm, you get a much better result. Usually we think of robotic arms in use in factories or industrial settings. But now it's being used in media, saving labour. Its precision lens moves with the help of computer logarithms. But the animation itself still takes a lot of careful design. It takes a long time, what with linking up with all the hardware and the production of the footage. You need three, four or five people working on production for at least two weeks to do the movement plus the background, lighting and animation. Just a short clip is more than two weeks' work. But when it's ready, one tap sends an airplane into the air, another, and a bomb is sent flying. This could be the future of news. The Chinese National Federation of Industries released its annual white paper on Tuesday. It contains business leaders' suggestions for the central government, which include a third bailout program and a retention of nuclear power as an energy option. The CNFI said that amid softening global demand for Taiwan's exports, manufacturers are bracing for hard impact in the second half of the year. 
Amid a pandemic, the CNFI released its 2020 white paper. It explores 67 issues and the challenges faced by Taiwan's industries. With the rapid shrinking of global demand, the government should be cautious in dealing with the severe impact on Taiwan's manufacturing sector and its job market. The government needs to tend to both public health and economic development. The group describes the U.S.-China tech war in the pandemic as a double typhoon hanging over Taiwan. It says the twin storms will be a test to Taiwan's politics and its economy. From the first bailout to the third, I feel that resources have been spent across many small parts of the problem. I think this approach has weakened the government's relief. The third bailout is still under review at the Legislative Yuan. We hope that its execution will be accelerated and that the money will be spent in a worthwhile way. The group said that if the third bailout is not passed, mass layoffs and closures in the traditional sectors are likely in the second half of the year. In the third and fourth quarters, I think industries will continue to be under a lot of pressure. I've had a visit from the Association of Sewing Machine Manufacturers. They discussed the view from their side. They said that if this drags on much longer, they may not be able to hold out. They'll have to put workers on furlough. They'll have to let them go. We think that 80 billion NT might not be enough. There are some who are asking for a fourth bailout scheme. Besides appealing for a third bailout, the group recommended tax relief for small and medium-sized businesses comparable to those granted last year. The group also asked for enhanced access to corporate financing, as well as the retention of nuclear power as a backup energy source in case of a shortage. Taiwanese online shopping sites soared during trading on Tuesday following a government ruling against their competitor, Taobao Taiwan. The Economics Ministry identified Taobao Taiwan as a Chinese-controlled company on Monday. Taobao was hit with a fine and ordered to withdraw its investment or re-register as Chinese company within six months. On Tuesday, online retailer Momo.com opened higher at the start of the trade and finished at 718 NT, representing a rise of 5.28 percent. PC Home Online was another big beneficiary of the Taobao ruling. PC Home jumped to the upper limit price during the session and closed up 9.57 percent at 114.5 NT. The 2020 Michelin Guide to Gourmet Restaurants is out. This latest edition recognizes 30 restaurants in Taipei and for the first time in Greater Taichung. Four restaurants in the central city won stars and one Taichung chef was named Young Chef of the Year. Over in Taipei, the Le Palais of the Palais de Chine Hotel held on its third three-star rating for the third year in a row. This flaming duck is a 28-day-old bird. The skin is crispy and the meat tender. It's a signature dish of the Michelin three-star restaurant Le Palais. This is the aged vinegar ribs prepared with Zhenjiang vinegar to impart a luscious richness. Then there's the pan-fried radish cake, which uses only the choicest middle section of the radish to ensure a clear, sweet taste. To celebrate another year of maintaining its three-star rating, Le Palais gave away cookies in its lobby. We are so grateful to the judges for giving us a three-star rating for the past three years and to our customers for their support. The credit is entirely due to the whole team at Le Palais. The 13-year-old A-cut steakhouse won a Michelin star for the first time. American ribeye is seared in sizzling butter until the surface is caramel brown. Then it's sent into the oven to be finished at 400 degrees Celsius. A single stroke of the knife reveals pale, tender meat. Besides serving up U.S. beef, Chef William Ling seeks out the world's most exquisite cuts for his table. 
we were awarded only the Michelin plate recommendation the previous two years. So I was quite surprised this year. How am I feeling now? I think we've got to gear up to deliver a wonderful dining experience to each of our customers. Notably, the 2020 Michelin Guide gave stars to four Taichung restaurants, cementing their place on the international culinary scene. JL Studio debuted on the Michelin list with two stars. It's a modern Singaporean restaurant in Taichung. Of course, I'm very moved by this, very happy. The Michelin Guide's arrival in Taichung makes me very happy because it means that Taichung City has been seen. Fleur de Sel received one Michelin star. Its head chef, Justine Lee, has worked in French cuisine for 36 years. The fruits and vegetables of Taiwan are very much among the best. We use French techniques to present the food. Another Taichung restaurant with a star is the Forketa, which serves European fusion. We take Taiwanese flavors that everyone is familiar with, the tastes of Taiwan, and incorporate them in Western-style dishes. Flying high this year was a Taichung barbecue joint called Oritachi no Nikuya. Besides earning a Michelin star, its 30-year-old head chef Sam Chung won the inaugural Michelin Young Chef Award. It's really, it's a bit of a shock. It's a bit, my mind is blank. New stars are rising with the release of the 2020 Michelin list. But one establishment, the Tainan Danzaimian Seafood Restaurant, missed the cut this year. It's the only Taiwan restaurant to lose a star in 2020. Most teenagers in Taiwan aren't getting enough sleep. That's according to a recent study by the Child Welfare League Foundation. The survey found that nearly 80% of the junior and senior high school students get less than the recommended eight hours. Some students say they stay up to finish schoolwork. Some say it's for screen time and others say they simply have trouble falling asleep. Though many students turn to caffeine, doctors advise against it, suggesting exercise during the day or a regular sleep schedule for better sleeping habits. Drinking a cup of coffee or tea is a popular way to kickstart the day, but for many Taiwanese teenagers, it's a necessity for staying awake at school. A recent study by the Child Welfare League Foundation found that 78% of junior and senior high school students in Taiwan get less than eight hours of sleep a night. Among these respondents, many also reported that they often fall asleep during class. We conducted a survey on the sleep patterns of junior and senior high school students. We can see that most of the students don't sleep for very long, about 6.9 hours on average. We see that junior high students still sleep a little more than senior high students. Senior high students sleep for about 6.5 hours, which is lower than the recommendation of 8 to 10 hours from experts and scholars. I usually sleep for about five hours. It's true I'm not the most mentally alert when I go to class the next day. There are many things that must be done in high school, such as homework and club matters. When asked their reasons for staying up late, 33.6% of respondents said that it had to do with studying or schoolwork. More than 20% said they were up with an electronic device. Another 21% cited difficult falling asleep or a bad mood. Sometimes I have to prepare a report. Sometimes I may not want to sleep, or I want some me time. Sometimes I doze off in class, so around noon, I might go to the restroom to wash my face, or I might just get up on my feet. 
two-thirds of the time, it's because of homework. About a third of the time, it's due to not being able to fall asleep or stay asleep. According to the survey, nearly 69% of respondents reported having coffee or an energy drink in the past month. The survey also found that about 35% of respondents who drank more than one cup of coffee per week had trouble falling asleep. Dr. Frank Liu of National Taiwan University Children's Hospital recommends reducing the amount of caffeine consumed as long-term usage can have a negative effect on teens. So the most easy physiological effect actually is uh, palpitation with a very fast uh, tachycardia, uh, fast heart rate. So that makes the people to be more nervous and more um, attention will be hard sometimes. And cognitive effect will be more on the emotion and the memory and the um, rationale, these kind of effects. The European uh, uh, FDA, Food and Drug Administration, they actually suggested uh, not to, in the safety level is about three milligrams per kilo. So per day, American uh, Academy of Pediatrics, actually they suggest not to use uh, caffeine or these kind of energy drinks. Dr. Liu says that caffeine can't replace sleep. The only way to give your body what it needs is to create a healthy sleep routine. Well, I think there's a thing called sleep depth. That means that if you do not sleep enough time, actually it accumulates and the time that you're deprived of sleep actually will get you more and more tired. And so actually we think that a better way is to adjust the sleep pattern and use a more healthy life time and life schedule to um, help we, us to uh, manage the life balance. Dr. Liu says that those who have trouble sleeping should try to limit caffeine intake, exercise during the day, maintain a regular sleep schedule, and reduce screen time before sleeping. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Cai Chenyou in Taipei. There's no age limit to becoming an artist. At the ages of 88 and 90, two women have recently opened an art exhibition in Jiayi. They've been creating art since joining a drawing class over a decade ago. Both women have made thousands of pieces of artwork. They also donate their art to raise money for senior citizens in Taiwan. The exhibition will run until October 4th. With their reading glasses on, she sits in front of her desk and carefully depicts an old tree, stroke by stroke. She is 90-year-old Tsai Shu Chiao. Tsai often draws with pastels. The flowers, grass and trees around her are all sources of her inspiration. <laughs> Also a lover of creating art is 88-year-old Xiao Chen Lan. Xiao's specialty is painting in watercolor. Her works are vividly hued, and each stroke of the brush brings the scenery to life. The two elderly artists have recently opened a painting exhibition together. Jiayi Commissioner Wang Zhangliang visited the exhibition, encouraging senior citizens to use painting as a way to improve their concentration and live their best life in retirement. I think drawing is the best activity for the elderly. Drawing can concentrate your mind on the colors and the composition. It will allow your mind to focus. Both women began participating in painting classes held by a foundation after their spouses passed away. They've been enthralled ever since. In the past 10 years, they've painted thousands of works. In addition to art exhibitions, they also donate art to their charity sales. They're raising money to build a care home for dementia patients to do their part in helping the elderly.